0: All right, we continue on today in our consecutive expository series in the Gospel of Mark. And we're in the last third of the book, and we're in the last week of Jesus' life on earth. And yet amazingly, it's still Tuesday of Passover week, and this is the sixth and final encounter with jesus and the various temple leaders and authorities people like the sadducees that we saw last week uh, the herodians the pharisees and then today we're going to see the teachers of the law known as the scribes our scripture reading comes from mark chapter 12 Verses 35 through 37. I invite you to turn there and follow along, remembering though, this is the word of the Lord. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself. And the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he the son? How, how is he his son? And a great throng heard him gladly the word of the lord let's ask god's blessing upon it father once again we are not able to understand perceive comprehend much less apply the truth of your sacred word the, your book that you gave us so that we might know how to walk in this world and whom to trust but father again unless your spirit comes The word will not jump from the pages, won't jump from lips into people's hearts. Only you can do that. Only you can show us more of who you are and what you have done in Jesus. And we ask you to do that for your own glory, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I think we have a slide. Some of you should remember that if you're anywhere near my age. Some of you have seen other iterations of The Riddler. That's what's on the screen. Edward E. Nigma was his name in the comic book lore of the DC comics. Edward Nigma, also known as The Riddler. You can see there with all the question marks and the uh, the uh, question mark uh, staff. Uh, Edward Nigma, the Riddler, possessed a genius level intellect, and the Riddler was constantly creating Rube Goldberg esque questioning traps for the Caped Crusader, for Batman he would often say this famous line, Riddle me this, Batman. Riddle me this. Yes, the Riddler was a clever questioner, but he couldn't hold a a candle to Jesus who stumps the band of theologicals known as the scribes. You could put it back on the other screen. Um, Although previously... Last week, we actually saw Jesus' encounter with a single scribe, but he was not one of the usual suspects. He was not like most scribes, although previously Jesus had a positive encounter with that seeking scribe, that one that was really trying to ask Jesus, not trap him, but wanted to know and understand more, although... There was that encounter. Mark and other New Testament writers do not paint the scribes in a very favorable light. In this case, Jesus is going to say something today and then next week and next week, all in a way of exposing the hypocrisy of the scribes. We'll see one today and another two aspects when we look at how Jesus describes the scribes and about the widow's might next week. Now, up until now, Jesus has been bombarded with questions by various temple authority groups. As I said, the Herodians, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. But now, do you know what the score is? Let's do it in football language. How many points do you get if you, uh, if you uh, score a touchdown and get the extra point? Seven, right? So... Five times seven, five times seven is 35. So guess what the score is? Jesus, 35. Everybody else, goose egg, zero. None of them have been able to catch him in the snares they have set. Try as they have, from every angle, they have been frustrated. And Jesus has silenced now all his critics and from here on, for a while here in the temple, he's going to be asking the questions. Jesus has gone from being on the defensive to being on the offensive. Actually, he did that even with them before. He turned it around on them, but he certainly is going on offense now. For all you football fans, I have a couple of trinkets thrown to you. Now, by the way, what's the outline today? Well, it's pretty simple. The question, the conundrum, and the crowd. Now, somebody of you is very sharp and really thinking right now. You're saying, wait a minute, Pastor Joe. I know you love alliteration. But those are not three Cs. Crowd has got a C. Conundrum's got a C. But question is a Q. You missed it. No, I didn't. Because alliteration is not just always the same letter, it's the same sound. And guess what the sound that's common in all? K, K, K. All of these are K, question, uh, uh, conundrum, and crowd. So you thought you had me, but you didn't. All right, let's look at the question, verse 35. As we read that in our scripture reading, we're looking at, the question that Jesus raises. Jesus had gone back to teaching in the temple, and likely he was doing so in the court of the Gentiles. Why do I think that? Probably because it was... A huge, large area where big crowds could be gathered, and Mark tells us the crowd. There was a large crowd here gathered to hear Jesus in his teaching. That couldn't help couldn't happen in Solomon's portico or some other places uh, further in. It, that was probably where this took place. And he begins his question by telling everyone who it is that says Christ is the Son of David. And he's telling everybody that's listening, it's the teachers of the law that say that, a.k.a. the scribes. The Bible uses both terms, a lot of times different writers, but they're the same group. And we're not told they are there, but it's highly likely they were certainly within earshot. They were eavesdropping. They weren't going to let Jesus, they were going to keep their eye on him. He had already stumped the band, as I said, over and over. They were going to make sure that he wasn't going to do something that was going to make things worse for them. So they were within earshot. But Jesus is going ahead like he often did, talking to the crowd, but really talking to his enemies, listening in. And they were known as the scribes. Now, A little bit about the scribes. The scribes weren't too hard to spot in a crowd. You could pick them out very easily. They wore long white linen robes with white fringe. They were the power dressers of their day. They they would have been like what John Travolta was in Saturday Night Fever in his white three-piece suit and platform stacks. When he came onto the dance floor, man, he took over the place. He absolutely stood out in a crowd. Well, that's what the Sadducees, I mean, the uh, scribes were. Everybody noticed them. And not only did they notice them, these scribes, these scholars biblical scholars of their day, the theologians, expert theologians and commentators. They expected to be addressed and with laudable titles like rabbi, father, master. And they loved the places of honor at banquets. They loved to be, oh no, please come, come and sit here, scribe. Come, come, Master, come, Father, please take my place. they weren 't hard to spot or hard to find, but you see, they didn 't think they were better than others; they knew they were better than everybody else. There was no thinking about it. they knew they were better now, knowing that the scribes enjoyed. Puzzling over theological complexities in the scriptures. Jesus said to them, riddle me this. Riddle me this, guys. How is the Messiah the son of David? You say it. How is that so? Remember, in Hebrew culture, a father never referred to a son as a lord. He might be the heir apparent, but he would never be referred to by a father as a lord. The idea of a descendant being called a lord would have been anathema in Jewish culture. You see, reverence flows the other way. Son to father, not the other way around. No one questioned that the Messiah would be the human descendant of David. All of the scribes understood that and knew that. That's what they taught. All good theologians understood that. That the son of David, the Messiah, would be the human descendant of David. But how then could David call, which he did, a human descendant, his Lord? And that word Lord there is another word for God, Adonai. So let's look at the conundrum that Jesus puts in front of them in verses 36 through 37b. So that's the question. How can it, he said the scribes, say this now? How can this be? Now Jesus proposes this conundrum. It's a problematic riddle is what a conundrum is. And listen again. As I read from this text, listen again. David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord. Very key. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? How is he David's son? If David calls him Lord. This is, you're talking about a conundrum. Jesus is bringing this to the fore. Here Jesus is quoting Psalm 110 verse 1 which is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. So in in the New Testament, every time we see this passage, there is no other passage quoted more by the Old Testament writers. The New Testament writers quote referring to this passage from Psalm 110. In the New Testament, more than any other thing they quote in the New Testament. Now, in this verse... The first word of that key part that says, the Lord said to my Lord, that first word is the personal name of God, Yahweh. The name by which God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. I am that I am is the root of that. It's Yahweh. But what is interesting here is Yahweh, the Lord, capital L, all capitals, is having a conversation with someone else that has the title Adonai, which is another name for God, another way to refer to God. You see the, see the tension? Here, Yahweh is having a conversation with someone else that has a divine title. Normally, both refer to the same person, namely God. Anytime you see Adonai or if you see Yahweh in, the, in your Hebrew Bible, you're, it's the same person. It's referring to God. Normally, that's true. Yet here in Psalm 110, we find Yahweh calling someone else Adonai. God The covenant God of Israel is calling someone else the sovereign Lord. You see what I mean by a conundrum? How can this be? Two different persons are in view and both of them are carrying divine titles. Jesus says, how do you read this, guys? What do you do with that? How are you going to explain how that can be true? Furthermore, in that quote, in Psalm one ten one, the Lord is told by Yahweh, Adonai, the other name, the, the Lord, Yahweh, tells Adonai, the Messiah, to be seated in the highest place of authority in the universe, at the right hand of God. There is nothing higher, nothing more powerful, and yet he's telling him, "Be seated." Now, now we, today, if I say when I teach y'all, when I say, "Okay, please be seated," um, th- that's that's to sit down. But but that doesn't necessarily carry a lot of implications. Just because you sit back down, but sitting. By the way, you know we have in, in Presbyterian church government, we have something. You'll learn more about this in the Explorers class if you come. Uh, we have elders and when the elders meet we call that the session why because they sit down is that because they're lazy and they just don't want to stand no no they sit down to basically to take care and act on business of the church relating to the shepherding and spiritual welfare of the flock of god but in the old testament to be seated at the right hand is a metaphor for being given all power and authority and so In our church system, the session holds the spiritual authority direction in our church. So the session to be seated is an expression here of being put in a place of great power and honor. Normally, again, David was saying by the Holy Spirit that when the Messiah had finished his work here on the earth, David is saying, listen, When the Messiah, my descendant, comes and he is being moved and led by the Holy Spirit to speak this way, to say this truth. He didn't understand what this meant, but he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, and he said this, David was saying, by the Holy Spirit's influence, when the Messiah had finished his labor in this world, he would be exalted to heaven and enthroned at the right hand of God. You know what? We declare that often when we say the Apostles' Creed. Remember the language in the Apostles' Creed after Jesus dies? And then it says, and he ascended after his death and resurrection. He ascended and sits on the right hand of God the Father. That's what we confess this truth that David was declaring under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He's not waiting to receive all authority and power. He holds it. It's his. It has been his since his ascension and session at the right hand of the Father. You know what this means for you and me? Right now, he is at his father's side in absolute authority and governance over the world as king of kings and lord of lords. He's not going to be, oh, later he will one day be recognized by all as that, but he is now. He is sitting. He is king He sat as king at the flood. He is king now as the exalted son of man. It's prophesied in Daniel as well. He's at his father's side and the world is being actively ruled by King Jesus, whether the world knows it or not. Oh, the day will come in which it will be crystal clear to all of the world to the saved and the lost. But he is king now. He has been put there by God. Yes, that means in spite of COVID-19. COVID-19 has not taken Jesus off the throne. It hasn't removed him from being in complete control. Yes, Even if your political preference does not occupy the White House after November the 3rd, he will still be king. He is now, he will be, no matter what comes down. And now how the mystery, of course, is how does God work all his sovereign will in and through human instruments and agencies, second causes, all of that stuff. Our confession talks a lot about that. But it's still a mystery. But the fact that it is, God is in control, my friends. Old Twilight Paris song, God is in control. He is king. He is Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not waiting for that to come to be. It is now. Then, Jesus drops the bomb on the scribes. Having laid out Question the conundrum. He then says to them, again, as they're listening, saying it to the crowd, but again, with their benefit. In other words, how could the Messiah be both David's son and his Lord if he's merely human? He says, you guys just think the Messiah is just a bigger, better David. He says, oh, no. (laughs) You have no idea. He's so much more than that. But they're saying, you say that, then how can this be? You see, it's a problem no one else had seen until Jesus raised it. They just thought, well, okay, uh, somehow, maybe we can, because uh, David's gone, David, David kind of uh, wasn't ever able to get, and when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a little bit bigger and a little bit better David. But he's still going to be a man. And therefore, it'd be okay to call him Lord. But Jesus says, no, no, no. This is a title of God that is being given to him by David through the Holy Spirit. How are you going to explain that? How can you say that David's son is merely going to be human? The Messiah, my friends, is not simply David's son, he's David's sovereign. He is David's son, but he is David's sovereign also. He is both David's son and David's Lord at the same time. But that's what they did not understand or would not acknowledge. And Jesus was about to declare to them very soon, in no uncertain terms, what he is veiling saying to them now. It would take, you see, a divine human being, to fulfill the scriptural requirements of the Messiah. Can't just be one or the other. Has to be both divine and human. It's so one of the great things of the, that leads to heresy in the early church fathers, knew and understood that. People either try to attack the divinity or the humanity of Jesus, and our Messiah is both God and man. This was the point Peter was making in Acts chapter 2, verses 34 through 36. Listen. For David, Peter's saying in, in the, the beginning of the church as we know it in, the, in its New Testament form, Peter is declaring to the crowds there, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Exactly another quote from Psalm 110.1. And then he says, now, do you understand the implications of that? He says, let all the house of Israel, listen to all of you, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him who Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Lord and Messiah, God and Messiah. Messiah they're one and the same this Jesus whom you crucified you you killed him you thought you killed him but he's now both Lord and Christ he is God and Savior and there is no other Jesus hit the scribes where it hurt the most, in their self-proclaimed mastery of the scriptures. They thought they were the experts and Jesus just schooled them again. Their nationalistic dreams blinded them to the truth of Messiah's identity as revealed in Psalm 110. But you know what? Jesus also made in doing this what he's saying to those that were listening well, the, the crowd didn't get it, but I guarantee you the scribes got it and then became all the more angry along with all the other angry temple authorities. Because Jesus in saying what he is saying, he is saying, I am this Messiah. I'm the one that is both God and man. I am the embodiment of what the true Messiah will be. It is me. He made a veiled, but nonetheless a Self-annunciation that he is the Messiah and he's the only one that can fulfill this prophecy foretold by David, by the Holy Spirit so long ago. Very interesting. In just a few days, Jesus is going to be brought before, and we'll see it, he's going to be brought before the Sanhedrin and tried and mocked, kangaroo court and when the high priest demands him to say is he he the Christ listen this is what we will get to in chapter 14 verses 61 and 62 again the high priest asks him are you the Christ the Messiah the son of the blessed in other words that's a divine point You're the son of the blessed. There's only one blessed forever, God. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power. Back alluding to again, Psalm 110. This very thing, he is saying, you're going to see it all right. But you're not going to like what you see. Because you will see me coming with the clouds of heaven. Now we'll get into what that means and really is saying. But he is saying, you bet I am. And you're going to, I'm telling you, yes, I am the son of the blessed. I am the son of God. That was what Mark's larger point has always been. He said it up front. He's saying it again in these various ways. This one by illusion, this one straight up in your face making no bones about it, fulfilling this prophecy. Now, the last little part here is the crowd. Just, just hang with me. All throughout Jesus' ministry, the crowds loved Jesus' teaching. As a general rule, not the, not the professionals, not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees and scribes, but the people generally loved to hear Jesus. It's a common refrain throughout Mark's gospel. And again, here they are on this Tuesday enjoying hearing Jesus, watching the show gladly, enjoying it, listening to his teaching. But do you know, in a very short order, this adoring crowd is going to turn fickle And they are going to turn against Jesus and some of them will even be calling for them to release a thief and a murderer and a robber and instead kill Jesus. They'll be calling for his death and just a matter of days. How can that be? They'll be calling for his death. Well, that's not a very... Happy way to to end this, telling us this, is it? But it isn't the ending. It isn't the ending. Because you see, my friends, that was all part of the plan. Everything is going down according to the king's orders. According to what the father and the son had brought about before all time and had planned to go down exactly this way, and it would involve even the death of Jesus. But that was by divine decree and intent in order to save you and me. You see, all of this was part of the Father and the Son's plan that they had worked out in the councils of eternity. The theologians call it the Council of Peace, It's where the father and the son basically said, the father said to the son, will you go? They've messed it up. They're going to mess it up. They're going to need a redeemer. Jesus said, father, I'll go. I will go. I will rescue them. I will ransom them. I will redeem them and bring back a host which no man can number to you one day, father, so that you will be glorified. Listen to how Paul says it in the What's called a canonic hymn. That means the hymn of, 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 uh, of going down low, of, of stooping low, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind also among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul said, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. The canonic is, is, is emptying, the process of emptying. Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Theologians call this the humiliation that's being described. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of, of death, even death on the cross. So the very thing that Jesus' words were bringing about and the crowds were going to start yelling for was exactly according to the divine plan. And yet it goes on. It doesn't stop there. Therefore, this is the result by God's power It's King Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see (laughs) the way up and the gospel is down, but then it leads to a place in ultimate glory. The way up is down, but where it leads, glory is found. To God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be glory both now and forever and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you that, Lord, even though in your humiliation it led to the cross, to the horrible cross, to the betrayal of those who listened gleefully and gladly but cried crucify. And yet, Lord Jesus, because you sit at your Father's throne There will be ultimate glory for you, the Father, and the Spirit forever and ever, and for all of your people that have put their faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior and their Lord, their God and their Messiah. Father, we bless you. We glorify your name, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.